0: Welcome to Inner Guidance Daily, a place where you can have daily inspiration, meditations, and conversations to help you connect to your own inner guidance. I'm so glad you're here. My name is Lauren Lee. I'm a meditation guide and the founder of Inner Rebel Company. I'm helping you connect to your own inner guidance. Come check out the show. Welcome back to Inner Guidance Daily. How are you guys doing today? How are you feeling? If this is the first time you're here, welcome to the show. My name is Lauren and I'm a meditation guide. I'm helping you to guide you to your own inner guidance. That's a lot of guidance, right? A lot of guiding. But I'm so glad you're here for this particular episode because sometimes to get to our inner guidance, we need to be able to ask the right questions. And so I was joined by award-winning author Jenny Lee. And she shares with me how her book, Spark Change, 108 Provocative Questions for Spiritual Evolution, came to be. For the last 20 years, Jenny has guided individuals to embrace change through yoga therapy and spiritual coaching. And through that process, she became aware that the right questions opened the doors to the soul. Here in this episode, you'll get a sneak peek into the questions that will spark change in your life. In areas of your life like purpose, everybody's looking for purpose right now. In areas of, life, of your life like love, and even into mastery. To Jenny, questions are the art of progress for our souls. Isn't that the most beautiful sentence ever? This episode will help you feel confident in your self-inquiry, which is what this book is all about. So grab a pen, some paper, and begin to become the change you want to see in the world. With the book Spark Change. Jenny Lee, welcome to Inner Guidance Daily.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be
0: here. Oh, I'm so happy you're here. I ask all of my guests when they join just one really basic, simple question. How are you feeling today? Mm. I'm feeling tired
1: today. Mm. (laughs) I have to be honest. I did not get a great night's sleep. Um, The weight of the world has been weighing pretty heavily on me lately. My heart has felt sad for um, the disharmony that we're seeing in the world right now. And like you, I, I work in the world, in a capacity of trying to bring people together. And so it really breaks my heart to see the disharmony. And so, yeah, that's my state of being in this moment. But I'm really glad to be having this
0: conversation with you. And yeah. I am sure that it will lift us both up. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, thank you for being honest. So many people say, good, I'm good, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people can relate to how you're feeling. You're not alone. And especially people who are, you know, working to help people bring back harmony and, and and light into their life and clarity, right? It's It is disheartening sometimes to look out into the world and look at the state of how things are going. So I feel you. I feel you.
1: I think so many people are struggling right now more than ever before. I mean, I've been coaching for over 20 years as a yoga therapist. And so, I mean, I'm well aware of all the human struggles that we all go through and stress is a part of every life, of course, but it seems like the stress levels for everyone are really off the charts and it's coming in from every direction. And even those with the toolboxes, you know, like the you and I have around meditation and mindfulness, even those people are struggling. And so I just feel like it's such a time where we need to be lifting each other up. Yeah. Um, we need to be aware of how stressed everyone is and be extra kind, extra yeah. kind to ourselves, extra kind to one another, even in the simplest interactions.
0: Yeah, that is so true. I mean, even it, like with my husband, I have to be extra mindful, you know, because especially the people closest to you, those are the ones who are, you know, in line in the line, right. Of how you might be feeling in every moment, but thank you for saying that. That's so true. We need to be extra, extra kind to one another. Everybody is stressed. You're right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And extra kind to ourselves. I mean, I, I am somebody who gets up every morning and tries to think about how I can serve. And so my focus is is out there. But yesterday I had a day where I had to shut everything off mm-hmm. and I had to give to myself, I had to renew, I had to listen to things that were inspiring. I had to go back, you know, I, I start my morning every day with meditation and um, spiritual reading, but I had to give myself an extra dose of it yeah. and um, just close my eyes in the middle of the day and rest for a short period of time. And right. so we do we also have to be nurturing ourselves at a greater level. It's like when the stress levels rise, our self-care has to rise as well to yes. meet it. And yes. often that's what people let go of because they're just sort of trying to plow through. And I'm definitely guilty of that. Right. Um, but I was yeah, super aware of needing the extra self-care yesterday.
0: Yeah, and I I feel you on that for sure and and, and then also, you know, because you are feeling sad, like it's okay. I think sometimes even in this world that we work in, like <clears throat> there's this idea that feeling sad or angry or mad could be this lower vibration. I think there's so much wisdom in being sad and knowing what needs to be cleared and cleansed and released. Right. I honestly feel like if, if you're
1: not slightly sad or depressed right now, <laughs> you might not be awake <laughs> yeah at all because you know, it's, it's crazy. And, um, it, it's yeah. really sad when people are in such opposition that they are no longer even respectful, you know, because yeah. they're, we, disagreement is, is natural for human beings and we're never going to have the same opinions as everyone else. And that's fine, but we can be respectful and we can seek understanding. And that's been a big, um, theme for me as I've t- been talking about the book Spark Change, obviously this book is a lot about self-understanding, mm-hmm. um, coming home to ourselves through self-reflection and introspection. But part of that also, as we learn to understand ourselves better, we also need to seek understanding of others. Mm-hmm. And even in the cases of people who hold vastly different values mm-hmm. than us, mm-hmm. um. There's a reason why they've gotten there and <laughs> we're not helping anyone by meeting them in states of, you know, judgment or hatred yeah. or rage. We help them when we meet them in understanding and love and compassion. Yeah. So core values, you know, I talk about core values in Spark Change. That's a whole chapter and it's so important to orient ourselves around the core values that mean the most to us and to utilize them even in circumstances when we feel really enraged. You know, we have to come back to, well, if my core value is love and compassion, how do I hold my anger within that
0: context? You know, and it's a tricky
1: thing, really, really tricky.
0: Yeah, well, I think this book is so incredible. It's literally like you're gifting the world this self introspection tool that they can use any time in their life. And I think people, you know, will continue to ask questions of themselves, at least I hope for the rest of their lives. This book, literally, I, when I put it down and and finished it, I was like, whoa, (laughs) literally that was my response. It's so incredible. It's so well done. Um, and the way you've organized it and grouped the questions and the questions are just in, you know, really going to enrich somebody's life. Before we go into the questions, I wanted to back up a little bit. Um, and we will get to the core values that you mentioned uh, previously as well, because I think this really will help guide people during this time. But one of the things that I really wanted to know more about, and now that you're here with me, which is so exciting, um, is you open the book with asking or, or suggesting that there's a moment when you're ready for more for a deeper understanding of life or a more profound experience of it. And I was so curious if you had a moment that you recall or maybe it was a few moments where you were like, "Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready for more of an understanding of life."
1: Oh, yeah. Well, there there were definitely many moments. You know, I think that's not that awakening doesn't happen just all at once it happens progressively throughout our lives so i can point to a moment when i was 21 and i had just graduated college and really went out seeking kind of my path and um, my spiritual belief system i I tried on a few before i kind Mm of uh, came to an understanding of my innate spirituality and um but you know there was one moment as you asked the question that I don't know, maybe I hadn't thought of this moment up until now, but it's occurring to me now. And so I'll speak to it because it, it also has to do with sadness. And mm-hmm. um, there was a moment when I had I had lost my, my second child and um, I was just devastatedly mm-hmm. sad. Yeah. And I didn't feel like I had my people around me. I didn't feel like I had a support system. I I felt like I was in a community that I had very different values from. And um, I remember being on my yoga mat in child's pose, just sobbing, Mm. sobbing. And I just asked God, spirit, the universe, whatever you want to call it, you know, I asked, please help me, give me someone to understand me, help me find my people help me to feel connected in some way. And I don't know, I just think there are a lot of people who get to that place. And Mm -hmm. maybe they don't have a spiritual understanding of themselves, or they don't have that community of support. And it's, it's a scary place to be, you know, and this is why people become so depressed and turn to so many things that are not really healthy for them because they're, it's such an uncomfortable place. I I was blessed to very quickly meet some people that became great supports for me and for my spiritual growth. And for that, I'm profoundly grateful. And, and ultimately, you know, 20 years later found um, a spiritual teacher uh, through reading autobiography of a Yogi. So Paramahansa Yogananda is my greatest spiritual teacher. And um, his writings, his work has really helped me to understand myself and um, our connectedness at a spiritual level in a way that I never had before. And so I think when we get really sincere about wanting change, and this is, is part of why I wrote what, that, what I did, what you mentioned in Spark Change, is that mm-hmm. when we get to that point of total surrender and there's no more like, oh, I can do it, or the answer's out there, or I got this, or I'll figure mm-hmm. it out, or no ego left, like mm-hmm. literally just <clears throat> on my knees in tears, like help, yeah. help, yeah. where that prayer is just help. Yeah. Um, And that's when help comes. I really do believe it, but it often takes a level of surrender that is beyond what we think we have done before.
0: Right, right. And I I relate to that so much. I think, and I think a lot of people are too. Especially during this time, a lot of people are just on their knees saying, "Help, you know, help, help us right now." And I truly think that this book can help a lot of people guide you to you know maybe that new that teacher or to that place in your life for clarity and i really recommend picking up the book so i thank you for sharing us you know sharing with us a little bit more about your experience with a, a moment of being ready for more or looking for more a more profound experience of life and one of the things you also <clears throat> shared is a question you continue to ask yourself which is such a beautiful question like when I read it, I was like, wow, <laughs> I wish everybody would, would ask them, themselves the same question, but I was curious, how do you keep the flame? This is, these are your words. How do you keep the flame of your personal evolution towards love alive in your heart? <laughs> how do you do
1: that? Well, it's, it's just intention, right? It's, um, learning to manage our thoughts, I think first. So most people run on a pretty subconscious pattern of thinking, and it's often driven by a lot of old messaging or negative thought. And um, so we first have to learn to identify the, the thoughts that are really not serving our values or our highest good and change that script. And so that over a period of years and practice, like anything else, it takes practice. Um, Then we can start to run our day off a new script. And for me, the new script is, I want to evolve towards love. I want to be the most loving person I can be every moment of every day. I want to help other people to find their connection to love. It's why I write what I do. It's why I, I talk about the things that I do. It's why I get up every morning because mm-hmm. I don't see any reason to do anything else. Like the, At a certain point, this world doesn't make a lot of sense if I'm not serving love. Mm-hmm. And so it's just what informs all my choices, all my decisions. I mean, I, I fall away from it. Of course I'm not enlightened. I, I, Mm -hmm. I fall back into old pattern thinking or behavior. And, um, I react from emotionality. Sometimes I'm a human being. And, uh, so I'm imperfect, but I, I always come back to that because that really is like my, Northern star or whatever you would call it, my guiding principle that I orient around. And so I think once you find that for yourself, that is purpose, right? A lot of people are talking about, well, purpose these days, and there is a chapter also on on purpose. And there's Mm -hmm. lots of questions that help people understand that at a deeper level for themselves, because it's not just going out and doing some massive thing in the world. It's our purpose is, is in every moment of every day, you know, how we talk to our spouse or our friends, our children, it's, it's, it's in innate in all of that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. How did you know this was true for you? Like, as you're talking about, you know, like finding love is the path and and really what else is there to do? How did you like find that that is the truth for you? It seems obvious, I understand, but how did you know that that's true for you?
1: Well, when when we align with our highest truth, and I don't mean just the truth of the moment, like this is what I'm experiencing, you know, people use it as that sort of as their truth in air quotes okay it might be what you're experiencing in this moment but that's not necessarily highest truth but highest truth when we get aligned with that and by aligned i mean we we step into living a principle like trying to live love in every moment um when we when we step into that it just feels right feels peaceful. It's like when we're um, tapping our intuition. Uh, Two of the things that I always tell people about intuition is it will always feel peaceful and it will always feel consistent. So you won't get six different messages. You're going to get the same message over and over and over, and it's going to feel peaceful, even if it's difficult Mm-hmm. kind of advice from the soul uh, mm-hmm. that's coming through your intuition. It might be a very challenging thing that you're being called to do, but you're still going to feel peaceful about it and it's going to be a consistent message. So that kind of alignment is how we know where we're in truth.
0: Yeah, Wow. love that. Uh, there's something I adore so much about this book and I wanted to share it with you and, and obviously all the listeners. I adore that this book is guiding people to self-inquiry, to unearth answers for themselves, rather than you just saying, okay, here's the easy button, do this, right? Why can't we just tell somebody, hey, do this, and this is how you do it, and then set them on their way?
1: Oh, well, you can, and lots of people do, but here's the funny thing is that people don't do it. (laughs) in fact they'll even ask you like i mean i've had coaching clients who have come in and said you know tell me what to do and so i give them practices and they don't do them (laughs) so (laughs) it doesn't really work um and you know obviously everybody well i shouldn't say everybody but lots of people love to tell other people what to do it doesn't work it just doesn't work so this what I'm proposing through Spark Change, this practice of self-reflection or self-inquiry is really the only way for anyone to make personal change. Because until we come to our own answers, of course we need guidance. And of course we need suggestions. And that's why there are wonderful teachers out there all over the world sharing great things that we should be reading and studying and trying. But until we kind of come to know it in our own being, it's like undigested food. You know, it just doesn't really nourish us. And so we've got to put it into our own being in a way that we assimilate it and it becomes a part of us. And so the questions are meant to do that. It's like dropping a bit of nourishment in for someone, giving them a little guidance on how to chew on it. And then it's up to them to do so. And internalize it, embody it and see if it's truth for them.
0: Yeah. I, I, I'm smiling as you're talking because, you know, I can tell people to meditate till I'm blue in the face. Right. Um, and there's so many studies and there's so many reports and there's so many good things and, you know, it's, but until somebody is going to say, this is true for me, this is good for me on their own accord, that's when they start meditating. Um, right.
1: and you know, on that note, I mean, cause I teach meditation as well. And so I have heard from people who have dipped their toe into meditation, tried for a little while. Oh, this doesn't work for me. You know, my mind is too busy. My body's too uncomfortable, et cetera, et cetera. We know all the excuses, right? And, um, the thing is, is you can't make an assessment about whether it's true for you until you've practiced it at the depth and the length of the people who are telling you that it is true. Mm. <laughs> so okay. yeah. sit back down on that cushion and <laughs> do the practice for another 10 years and then yes. we'll talk about it, right. <laughs> whether it's not true for you because- I mean, I'm 10 years, 10 plus years into daily meditation and I'm still restless and my mind yeah. still gets busy, but I right. also know that I have, I feel the effects and I feel the effects when I don't meditate. And so oh, yeah. it is a, it is not something that comes easily. I don't think to anybody, except maybe my husband, he has, <laughs> he's a natural meditator. When I met really? him, he just, yeah, I shared my practices with him and he just dropped in he's like the most silent being. <laughs> must be some past life karma I don't know <laughs> right
0: something <laughs> how cool um what is a question that your life is asking you right now
1: yeah so that's one of my favorite questions you know is um what is life asking of me right now yeah um and that one has changed. It changes constantly for people. It has changed constantly for me. It, it has, seemed, has seemed to sort of change decade by decade for me. But I think right now, given um, the stage of my career that I'm in and the, the kind of expansion and growth that is happening with Spark Change, um, life is really asking me to look at how do I maintain balance um, between giving and to others and giving to myself so that I can continue to give to others it's kind Mm -hmm. of where we started the conversation it's Mm -hmm. like I'm I'm my tendency is to be a doer and a giver and I know that in order to do that efficiently effectively I have to also take care of myself and that I tend to (laughs) I was talking to an Ayurvedic consultant the other day and She's, she was telling me my constitution is very pitta and how pittas can be losing a limb and they'll just keep going you know because yeah. they're they're so focused on what they're doing that they're they just don't take any mind to their bodies half the time yeah. so that's my challenge right now is is the self-care balanced with the other care?
0: Yeah that's a great great question to ask yourself and um, you know to also, understand like how much care you need. I know somebody who also is, you know, thinking about the world every day, um, that, you know, you have to think about yourself. You have to take care of your home too. Right.
1: Yes, definitely. Most definitely those around you, whether, even if it's just a plant.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know you do have to water those guys. Right. (laughs) Um, so I want to share something you wrote and then I have a question for you. It's kind of a big one, but um, I think, I think you, will, I love the big ones. You will guide <laughs> us in the right direction. So you wrote, and this is a quote from the book. Um, I believe that by undertaking an international approach to the questions we ask of ourselves and each other, we will make quicker evolutionary strides individually and collectively. So right now in 2020, What is a question we should all be asking ourselves in this time in our lives when we're living through a pandemic, an election in the US? Racial equality, uh, economic uncertainty, conspiracy theories, cancel culture, social media overtaking us. Um, What's a good question for us to be asking ourselves at this time?
1: Oh so many questions <laughs> <laughs> I have to go back to a fundamental you know the fundamental one for me which is how can i serve love today because and I just want to define love because people think of love as a very personal kind of feeling or experience that they might have just with a certain circle of people. And this is actually part of the problem because they um, contract their expression of love to just that small circle and love really is just the harmonizing principle of the universe. This is a definition given by Yogananda. The love is the harmonizing principle of the universe. And if you think about it, it makes perfect sense, right? When we feel love, where we feel connected, we feel magnetized towards something or someone. If we don't feel love, we're pulling away. It's like the, the opposing magnet and we're pushing away. So, Uh, Again, we're either going towards harmony or away from it. We're either going towards love or away from it. So fundamentally, if we're asking ourselves every day when we wake up, how can I love more? How can I serve love in the world more? How can I show up as the loving principle more in whatever you're doing, whether you're in an office or uh, working road crew or cleaning toilets or teaching meditation or just you know, being on a zoom call with your buddies, like it really doesn't matter what you do in the world physically, it's how you're showing up. So you're either showing up as a servant to love, or you're not, you're showing up as a servant to self-interest and self-interest is what's gotten us into all the problems that you just mentioned. Every Mm -hmm. single one of them comes Mm -hmm. down to coming from a place of self versus other versus seeing all as one. So it, I, that's, that's my answer. That's the short answer. Uh,
0: It's a beautiful answer. Um, what an incredible world we could live in. You know, if that was what we, everybody was waking up asking themselves, and to your point, no matter what it is you're doing, you don't have to be a meditation teacher, yoga teacher, spiritual philosopher—you know, any of those things—to be able to ask yourself, "Where can I love more today? Where can I be a of service to love today?" Um, so I think that's such an incredible question to ask. During and this I'm time.
1: gonna, I'm gonna jump in and just add one more thing, Lauren, which is sometimes people think of love as sort of this soft, fluffy <laughs> emotion. And I'm just going to call BS on that because love is a force. It is a force field and it is the strongest power in the universe. And for us to step into that with every fiber of our being takes incredible strength and fortitude. It takes incredible strength to stand in the face of darkness and hatred and meet it with love there is nothing stronger than that.
0: Wow. I hope everybody listening is letting that sink in because that's incredible. Thank you for for sharing that and, and adding on to it. I don't think a lot of people think that love is <clears throat> a force. And I think that's something really, I hope people begin to think more about. That's incredible. Thank you. One of the things that I found myself doing in this book is I would you know, look at a question and be like, hmm, right, what is this gonna tell me about my life, right? Um, and so I think a lot of people might run into this experience. So I wanted you to have some time to talk about it. And you even mentioned it in the book and it's a, a beautiful uh, sentence and I wanna re- share it with, your, with everybody. Um, you wrote, we must be able to raise difficult questions. And again, this is also something we can think about in 2020 we must be able to raise difficult questions without falling prey to the negative or judgmental inner critic. So as I mentioned, this, you know, I'm human. And I think everybody has this judgment, judgmental voice, this negative inner critic that lives within us. And um, some of the questions, you know, I would hear that critic, that judgment um, so, what would you say to somebody, you know, to help them not fall prey to that voice, that inner critic?
1: Well, thank you for sharing that sentence because this is something that I like to call out in most every conversation that I have about this book. Is um, whenever we talk about self inquiry, self analysis, the tendency because so many people do have that kind of inner critic, that negative thought script going on. um, The tendency is to fall into a lot of self-judgment when they look at some of these questions. And in fact, I've even had people say, oh, I opened it up to X question. I couldn't deal with that one. Shut the book and (laughs) walked away. (laughs) I had a good, really good client say that to me the other day. And we laughed. I was like, okay, well, we'll just come back to that (laughs) one. (laughs) Um, So it's about gentleness. If I had said to her, open the book up again you know like right now let's do this that would be too harsh and so whether we're talking to one another or talking to ourselves we do need to be gentle compassionate and um recognize we can only be where we are. So if a question feels daunting or if it just brings up a whole load of self-judgment, walk away from that one. I don't care. There's 108 of them in here. So pick another one and, um, and come back to it. But it's kind of like a yoga posture, right? When we hit those yoga postures that are so difficult and we have resistance, then a good clue that our body actually needs that posture we might not be ready for it right now and that's fine you can modify you can do something different but maybe think about coming back to it later because it probably holds some information for you so i'd say be self-honoring um but be brave you know be brave and walk into self-inquiry with the recognition that as a human being we are all imperfect and we are not living at our highest every day all day. We're just not. No human being is. Right. There is a there's a soul level consciousness that we are meant to be reaching towards. And that's so much of what the questions in this book are, you know, the subtitle being 108 questions for spiritual evolution is like we're meant to be moving back to soul awareness. And there are There are many qualities. There's, I think, 26 soul qualities listed in the Bhagavad Gita that um, are kind of aspirational. Well, not even aspirational, like they are who we are at a soul level, but we are living in such an egoic consciousness right now as human beings that we are not embodying all of them. So as we undertake self-inquiry it's like well how do I need to and I think this is even one of the questions in the book like how do I need to re-embody this soul quality or yeah. what soul quality do I need to embody more today I think is the question but so it's like okay we can we can just assess it's a uh, like being the neutral observer okay I'm here I want to be over here? How do I get there? And it's not a judgment. We, we really have got to keep that judgment factor out of there. It's not bad that you're at point A. It's just a recognition that you're at point A and you want to go to point C. That's all it is.
0: Right. Yeah. Thank you for doing that because I, I mean, we, we live in a very judgmental world. And so it's very easy just to stop there, right. To just get kind of frozen in this judgment and the criticism of yourself. So I think being easy and soft and neutral, right? Those are such good keywords to help people guide them. If you are looking at a question and it brings up a lot of judgment and criticism within yourself that you can come back. Uh, you can just note that's where you are and keep moving forward in your questions. So I think that's good clarity.
1: Yeah, and there's another question in the book. I'm not sure the number, but it's um, how can I replace judgment with love? And so just to hit the the love note again, um it's about, it's, again, it's about replacing that thought, right? So if self-judgment comes up and you ask, ask yourself the question, well, how can I replace this self-judgment with self-love instead? That's a super important changing of the script inside. Um, you know, okay. I recognize that I'm meeting myself in self-judgment right now. How can I meet myself in self-love instead?
0: Right. Totally. I know that you have coached a lot of people in, um, I'm sure you have a very, uh, you have a really good insight into this next question. Um, but a lot of people right now are in a very transitional place. A lot of change is happening very quickly, changes that we didn't decide to have. Um, and then changes maybe perhaps that we had to do and, and maybe some things that we were, we're deciding for ourselves. Why is change so hard? Why, what, (laughs) what is it about it? That is so hard for us.
1: I don't know why humans resist change as much as they do. I mean, because change is really a part of the whole natural universe. Obviously, we're changing constantly throughout our lives. There's there's nothing in the natural world that isn't in constant change, really. So um, I it's I think it's just a trick of the mind. You know, it's like when we step into a relationship where we finally met that person and we're so in love and it's like, oh don't ever change, you know, stay exactly as you are right now. And it's of course, ridiculous because you're going to change in the very next breath. You're both going to change in some subtle way. And so we can't possibly stay in any kind of homeostasis, but we, but the human system does kind of... I don't know, want that. So it's about, again, I'll go back to a yoga um, analogy, which is what I often say when I'm teaching people balances, which is don't expect to stay in that balanced posture forever. The practice is learning to move into it, fall out of it, move back into it again, fall out of it, move back into it again with no judgment again. Like who cares if you hold your tree pose for one (laughs) breath or 50, like if you fall out of it at 50 breaths and you're having a complete inner tantrum and beating yourself up because you didn't make it to 60 breaths. What good is that tree pose? Like if you can stand there for one breath, fall out of it with grace and with compassion for yourself. Okay, good. I got one breath in my tree pose today and then move back into it peacefully. You're doing a much better practice.
0: Right. Absolutely. And I think it's a practice, right? Right. So, um, being able to effortlessly or easily, you know, without judgment, coming back to the practice without, you know, judging yourself all the way to coming back is, is a really, I think sometimes really insightful for people to know where they are in their, in their practice, right?
1: Exactly. And I'm sure this, is, I would imagine this is something that you tell people in coaching meditation, right? It's yeah, like, yeah. of course, the mind is going to wander up. Yeah. But you're just going to gently bring it back.
0: Exactly. Again
1: and again and again.
0: And that's more or less what meditation allows you to do, right? It's the awareness to come back without this resistance and the judgment and the criticism. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so there's 108 questions in the book and I was hoping maybe we could do just some rapid fire kind of style. Um, I'm going to highlight some of my favorites um, and have you just share more about that question for people. And uh, we'll see how many we get through and, and where it ends us. But um, yeah, I think that would be kind of interesting for people.
1: Okay. Don't give too many of them away. <laughs> I won't give too many of them
0: away. I'm going to give some that really made me like, whoa kind of thing um in the values section of the book you asked what a question you ask is what gives my life the most meaning if you want to share a little bit more about that question
1: um do you want me to share it from a personal standpoint or do you want me to share it from a standpoint of how i would guide someone to work with that question
0: let's do it from what you would guide somebody to work with that from that question. And then if you want to share personal experience, by all means, please do. If you feel something <laughs> okay. is feeling called to just jump out, please do. Okay.
1: You know, it's so funny. Like you were talking about earlier, how some people want the sort of prescriptive to do's I've, I, I've had people say, why didn't you give more to do's in here? <laughs> I was like, no, it's not a book of answers, it's a book of questions, silly. Right, it's right. Not for me to tell you what to do. And then I've had other people say, Why didn't you give more personal stories? I was like, It's not about me, it's about uh, yeah. self inquiry. So, yeah, right. it's interesting. You can't please everybody all the time. That's a yeah. big lesson I've learned with this book, <laughs> right? But uh, okay, I'll try to do a little bit of both. Um, what gives my life the most meaning? Um, is something that people can look at that question from a lot of different standpoints. And um, I think there are obvious ones that most people would point to, like family, friends, uh, maybe some cause that they're involved in or some creative pursuit, you know, those things. But it's also small moments that you could reflect on that feel extremely meaningful. For instance, I'll throw a personal one in here. At night, uh, my wind down is to get my bunny, my bunny rabbit. I have live rabbits, house rabbits, and I have one old guy. He's he's really old. He's really skinny, and he's he's just my buddy. And so I sit on the couch with him, and we have our little evening time. Now, why that's meaningful? (laughs) Obviously, we all love our pets, but there it goes beyond that because. There's a sort of mindfulness practice in that for me because rabbits are prey animals. They're very scared all the time. You have to be calm when you're near them. So, if I've had a really busy day where I've just been talking to lots of people and running around and my energy is kind of frayed and all over the place, and I sit down with him, he'll feel it immediately and he will bite me. (laughs) No way he will nip me. And it's a running joke with my husband, because often my husband will sit with me and the bunny and he'll be like, Oh, (laughs) you just (laughs) got nipped. (laughs) And it's like this, uh, this reminder to like, bring it down, bring the day down. This is relaxation time. This is time to wind down and be present with my husband and my pets. And so it's, it's, it's very meaningful to me. You know, it might sound like a super silly example to some people, but it's actually very meaningful to me on many levels. So these are the kind of things that I I throw that in there as an example of, it doesn't have to be big macro level things of meaning. It can also be micro level things that give your life meaning.
0: Right. Absolutely. Okay. So this goes, the next question what part of my spirit do I need to call back? You mentioned this earlier in the conversation, and I wanted to circle back on it because I think it's such a powerful question. So, how can we help guide people through answering or trying to answer this question?
1: Well, that's a huge one. And that one sometimes will uh, require that people get some therapeutic help, I think. Um, many people, because of traumas, have left their bodies, really kind of left parts of themselves behind, Um, this one is, is, can be very deep for people. Um, And I would recommend that if you start to sense that you have some kind of split going on from a part of yourself, and you're feeling kind of overwhelmed by looking at that question, that you really reach out to someone, to a psychotherapist, to a coach like myself or to a, a counselor in your church or whomever that can mm-hmm. that can be there with you as you kind of explore that territory but <clears throat> i do think on a on a lesser level let's say a, a slightly a slightly lighter level we can all relate to maybe um things that were meaningful to us passions um creative outlets, artistic things, or other ways of expressing ourselves that maybe we've stopped giving voice to, or, and I, I mean, I don't mean that just our voice or writing, but just we've stopped expressing in those ways. Maybe somebody told us that they didn't like uh, our art, or we decided that it wasn't good enough or whatever. And it's, you know, those things are so important. We each have unique gifts and unique passions that give such richness to our life. And so if we forget about those, if we leave those parts of our spirit out of our daily lives, we're not going to feel very fulfilled. And we're not going to be really living the totality of what we're meant to be living, I don't think. So thinking about ways in which you've stopped singing, dancing, speaking, um, expressing, That's also a big part of that one. I'd say,
0: yeah, I love that question. Okay. Last one. And I think this is something that everybody can, um, really benefit from right now. I I think there's literally 108 questions people can benefit from, but this one, um, really jumped out to me and it's under the mastery section. So it's, you know, towards the end of the book and, um, I was hoping you could share with us, you know, guide us a little bit through the question. And if there's something you want to share personally as well, you know, we are all ears. So the question is, how can I celebrate the mystery of life?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a, such a big one right now, because with all the uncertainty in all of our lives, I mean, I'm a massive planner. Um, I will often have events on my calendar a year or more out. Uh, retreats that I might be leading or, and so, so much of that has dropped away as as has for many people. Um, There's so much uncertainty with, for anyone's life about the economy and what travel, what we'll be able to do, what's going to reopen and win for business owners. And um, so it's hard to maybe hold a question like this because the mystery of life can feel really challenging. Um, But this question was put in there to invite um, a paradigm shift, if you will, in the sense that it's almost more like a surprise party. (laughs) If we can get ourselves there, like, huh, I wonder what (laughs) life is going to look like six months from now. And I, yeah. I I will share that I'm right there with you and feeling a bit challenged by this question right now, because yeah. it's, it can easily feel like a hard thing to think of it in a positive, the mystery as a positive. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, ultimately, I do believe that spirit has harmony as its essence, and we are moving towards that. It might be a very long cycle, um, but it doesn't have to be a long cycle for any one of us. So we are responsible for our own consciousness. And that's one of the basic principles of this book is that we are only responsible for our own internal change. and, And we are very responsible for that. And we are accountable to everything that's happening in our own lives in that sense of how we're holding it in our consciousness. So so from that standpoint, we can trust that if we're moving towards harmony in ourselves, then life is gonna support that. And we don't know how or what that's gonna look like exactly. It might look completely different from anything we've ever seen before. But as we take that internal journey, I do believe that the external will rise to meet us in that point of harmony.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think even just the idea for some people, you know, somebody who is a planner or somebody who is very like schedule oriented or, you know, just really anybody out there in the world, like we don't take the time to celebrate the mystery of life very often We're a very logical driven world, right? That's just where we live and, and how things are operating for us. So I think just the idea, even if you can't answer the question, the idea of how to celebrate the mystery of life is just something to, to ponder, you know?
1: Yes. Yes. And not all these questions have exact answers for any one of us at any given moment. Sometimes it really is just sitting with that mystery. And um, there's a quote that I'm not going to be able to say exactly, but it's a real quick quote that I have in the book somewhere about embracing the questions with just as much love as we do the answers. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's such an important part of why I wrote Spark Change is just to get people to love questions, to hold them in their hearts, to trust that their answers will be revealed at the right time and the right way if they're, if they're doing this practice of self-inquiry and that it's a beautiful part of how we spiritually evolve.
0: Absolutely. And this is such a perfect way to end the show. I wanted to share something you wrote, which is just literally beautiful. Um, and you said questions are the art of progress for our souls. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode and for subscribing to Inner Guidance Daily. If you haven't already subscribed, what are you waiting for? Do it. And if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, I would love it if you could leave a review. It helps to reach more people and it helps to shape the podcast. I look at every single review and I listen to all the feedback. If you feel like this podcast is beneficial to you, I would love it if you would pass it along to anybody else that you think would benefit from this information. One last thing. If you're on Instagram, please let me know. Follow me at innerrebel.co. Tag me when you listen to this episode or to this podcast. Let me know what you think. I'm so grateful to know you. I'm so grateful to be serving this community. Thank you so much for tuning in to Inner Guidance Daily, and I'll see you on the next episode.